Good day, my friends, and welcome to another moment of Black History Moment with Bo. And again, I hope you have a great day and everything goes the way that you need it to go. I want to thank you for spending a little time with me today. And I hope that you realize that I am not a teacher. I am a awakener. And I am trying to do just that. I am trying to bring the people of the sun back into the light. Because the only thing that is forever is the truth. And the truth being that I am African American. African first, because my ancestral roots are in what they call the dark continent, Africa. And don't be fooled. If the oppressors were truly superior, they wouldn't have to distort so many facts, conceal so many truths, spread so many lies, and work so hard to handicap those whom they claimed are inferior. And that, my friends, is us. So let's slip into a darkness and allow me to awaken a few truths about our homeland. The partition of Africa began in earnest with the Berlin Conference in 1884 and 1885 and was the cause of most African borders today. And basically all this was, my friends, was a peace treaty. This conference was called by German Chancellor Bismarck to settle how European countries would claim colonial land in Africa and to avoid a war amongst European nations over African territory. And all the European states were there. France, Great Britain, Netherlands, Belgium, Portugal, and Spain were all considered to have a future role in the imperial partition of Africa. The United States was invited, but because of its interest in Libya, it did not attend because it had no desire to build a colonial empire in Africa. Australia, Hungary, Sweden, Norway, Denmark, Italy, Turkey, and Russia were all considered minor players in the quest for colonizing Africa. And you know what? There were no Africans present at this conference, nor were there any European presence to ensure that Native Africans had any say in the proceedings. So our people, my friends, had nothing to say about how their country would be divided up. Now, the job of this conference was to ensure that each European country that claimed possession over a part of Africa must bring civilization in the form of Christianity and trade to each region they would occupy. Civilization. So they're saying that the African people weren't civilized. And also a country's claim on a territory 
was valid only if it informed the other European powers and established some occupying force on the ground. So otherwise, they had to have some military outpost there. And here's the kicker. Some of the lands were obtained by having African indigenous rulers sign an X to a general agreement for protection by European power. Often these rulers had no idea what they were signing, since most could not read, write, or understand European languages. Just make your X on the line, and we are here to protect you. Following the Berlin Conference, there was still little exploration into the interior of Africa beyond gaining initial treaties. Most Europeans continued to stay on the coastal regions, while a few missionaries followed rivers inland to find Christian converts. And by the 1900s, Europeans were moving into the African interior to extract raw materials such as rubber, palm oil, gold, copper, and diamonds. These natural resources made Africa a vital resource to the European economy. And although most of the African colonies were controlled by European nations, the Berlin Conference allowed King Leopold II of Belgium to become the sole owner of the vast area that is today the Democratic Republic of the Congo in Central Africa. This area was given to Leopold by the other European powers with the intent that this be an area of free trade for all Europeans in Africa. Leopold agreed to this stipulation, as well as bringing Christian missionaries to the interior of this area. But in practice, he kept out most of European traders as he granted concessions to various corporations to exploit the region's resources. In 1908, though, the truth came to light, and it was revealed that under King Leopold's instructions, native people of the Congo were forced to farm wild rubber as a form of tax payment to the colonial government. Those who were not unable to reach their rubber quota often had a hand or a foot chopped off or were killed by Leopold's agents. Once news of these abuses of power were brought to the public light, King Leopold was stripped of his colony and the vast Congo region was ruled by the Belgian government until it became independent in 1960. Now, by 1914, 90% of Africa had been divided between seven European countries, with only Libya and Ethiopia remaining independent nations. Many of the boundaries drawn up by Europeans at the Berlin Conference still endure today with little regard to natural landmarks or historic ethnic or political boundaries established by the Africans themselves. The disregard of these boundaries, most of which were retained after independence, often continues to generate conflict in Africa today. African nations began to emerge from colonial rule 
first with Ghana, which gained its independence in 1957. By 2000, virtually all of the former colonies had gained independence. Do you ever wonder why Africa was called the Dark Continent? They claim that it's because Europe did not know much about Africa until the 19th century. But that's a lie. Europeans had known quite a lot about Africa for at least 2,000 years. But European leaders began purposefully ignoring earlier sources of information to justify colonialism and anti-blackness. White people call Africa the dark continent because they wanted to legitimize the enslavement of black people and the exploitation of African resources. That, my friends, is the bottom line. Now, they are right. Europeans had little direct knowledge of Africa beyond the coast, but their maps were already filled with details about the continent. And African kingdoms had been trading with Middle Eastern and Asian states for over two millennia. Europeans drew on the maps and reports created by earlier traders and explorers. You see, my friends, by the Europeans drawing up their own maps with boundaries and borders, they kind of conflicted with the boundaries and borders that the African people had already set up as their land. And like I said before, this is what is causing some of the conflict between the African nations today. Most empire building begins with the recognition of trading and commercial benefits that could be occurred. In Africa's case, the continent as a whole was being annexed to fulfill three purposes, the spirit of adventure and the entitlement white Europeans felt towards Africa and its people and resources they could claim and exploit, the patronizing desire to civilize the natives, resulting in deliberate erasure of African history, achievements, and culture, and the hope of stamping out the trade of enslaved people. And an explicit duality was set up for these conquests, dark versus light and Africa versus West. Europeans decided that African climate invited mental prostration and physical disability. They imagined forests were filled with beasts, where crocodiles lay in wait, floating in sinister silence in the great rivers. Europeans believed danger, disease, and death were part of the uncharted reality of those exotic fantasies created in the minds of armchair explorers. The idea of a hostile nature and a disease-ridden environment as tingled with evil was perpetrated by fictional accounts. By the late 1700s, British 18th century black abolitionists were campaigning hard against the practice of enslavement in England. They published pamphlets describing the horrid brutality 
and inhumanity of enslavement on plantations. One of the most famous images showed a black man in chains asking, am I not a man and a brother? Once the British Empire abolished enslavement in 1833, however, black activists turned their efforts against the practice within Africa. In colonies, the British were also frustrated that former, formerly enslaved people didn't want to keep working on plantations for very low wages. To retaliate, the British portrayed African men not as human, but as lazy idlers, criminals, or evil traitors of enslaved people. So you see, in my opinion, this whole thing about black people selling each other was made up by the British But at the same time, missionaries began traveling to Africa, and their goal was to convert as many Africans as possible to Christianity at the expense of existing African religion, customs, and cultures. So they didn't care whether the Africans had their own religion or not. They wanted to force their Christianity on them. African people had already built their civilizations, their culture, and their knowledge, especially of their own land and environment. The cultural erasure perpetrated by these European Christian missionaries caused significant damage to generations, while also attempting to distance African people from their own environment which in turn left it even more vulnerable to damage and exploitation by imperialist interests. And when decades later, the missionaries still had few converts in many areas, they began saying that African people's hearts were unreachable, locked in darkness. What they failed to acknowledge is that African people might not have wanted their history and culture and religion overridden by foreigners. The missionaries followed a familiar playbook, Retaliation. They portrayed the African people as fundamentally different from Westerners and closed off from the saving light of Christianity, further propagating inaccurate and deeply racist stereotypes about Africa and its people. Can't change us or convert us, then lie about us. A tactic that is still used today. Africa was seen by explorers as an erotically and psychologically powerful place of darkness one that could only be cured by a direct application of Christianity and, of course, capitalism. Africa was seen as a bestial reptilian or female entity to be tamed, enlightened, guided, open, and pierced by white European males through Western science, Christianity, civilization, commerce, and colonialism. While in reality, our ancestors had been achieving great things in a variety of fields for thousands of years, often before Europeans did. 
Ancient African cultures were responsible for developing entire mathematical systems, charting the sun and creating calendars, sailing to South America and Asia long before Europeans did, and developing tools and techniques that even surpassed Roman technology. Africa was home to its own empires, notably the Zulu, as well as enormous libraries and universities in countries such as Mali. By the 1870s and 1880s, European traders, officials, and adventurers were going to Africa to plunder, exploit, and destroy its people and resources. Recent developments in weaponry gave these men enough military might to enslave African people and seize control of raw materials. A particularly severe example of this was King Leopold's Belgian Congo. When things escalated, Europeans took no accountability and blamed black people instead. Africa, they said, was what supposedly brought out the savagery in man. Over the years, people have given lots of reason why Africa was called the Dark Continent. Many people know it is a racist phrase, but don't fully understand why. Race does lie at the heart of this myth, but it is not just about skin color. Calling Africa the dark continent further codifies the association between whiteness, purity, and intelligence, and blackness as a pollutant that made one subhuman. This principle is exemplified by the one-drop rule. The myth of the dark continent referred to the inferiority that Europeans convinced themselves was endemic to Africa to further their political and economic agenda. The very idea that these lands were unknown came from disregarding centuries of pre-colonial history, contact, and travel across the continent. My friends, I hope you could take all of that in because I had to have a cold drink of water as I was going through this myself. It is amazing that the first things that conquerors want to do is take away a person's religion and take away their language. And when they do that, over generations, their culture is gone. And when you don't know who you are, you can be told who you are. We had no bombs, no homeless, no junk food, no stress, no sickness, no poverty, no crime rate, no pollution. And yet they called us primitive and savage. My friends, it's once more that time. But before I go, I want to leave you with this little message. Every study that white people conducted concluded that they're better than us at everything. I've never seen a group work harder to hide our greatness. This is a blatant psychological warfare designed to instill the myth of white superiority into the black mind. Until next time, my friends, it's been my honor.